Welcome to Breaking the Underdog Curse for Chiropractors. I'm your host, Dr. Don McDonald, author of the best-selling book, The Underdog Curse. We give vitalistic chiropractors a chance to learn from the best around the world, discovering how they overcame their challenges and achieved success. In order for chiropractic to thrive, we must have thriving chiropractors. Now listen up, it's time to crush the curse. Hello, podcast listeners. I just want to take a second and say thank you, thank you, thank you. We hit 100,000 downloads in just about a year. So I want to thank you all for listening into the show. I want to thank you all for sharing the show, telling all your chiropractic friends about it. Uh, Thank you for writing reviews for the show on iTunes. Um, It all really helped to get that word out there. And uh, I took a little break for September, but we're back for October. So enjoy the podcast. And again, thank you one more time. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Breaking the Underdog Curse. This is Dr. Don McDonald, your host, and I'm back. I took a little break, took a break for a month, and uh, we went to Perth, uh, did some other exciting things, and took the month of September off, and we're back in October. And no one better to start back up the podcast is to have my amazing wife, Brandon McDonald, join us on the show. Welcome to the show again, Woot, woot. <laughs> Maybe people will start to get tired of me. <laughs> uh, congratulations, by the way, on the 100,000 downloads of Breaking the Underdog Curse. Yes. Well done within a year. Yeah, and we got that actually when we were, um, when we were away in Australia. So that was kind of cool. So uh, thank you, everybody, for listening. Um, again, if you haven't uh, subscribed, make sure you subscribe on iTunes. And, uh, and again, to help promote the show a little bit, if you put a, a review on iTunes, that's really appreciative because that helps to boost everything up and Only also think it's amazing don't yeah. get a review if you don't think it's amazing <laughs> <laughs> yeah just don't say anything if you don't think it's amazing and um and and really share this on social media too so let's get it out there we, we um i really noticed after we did uh we'll, we'll talk about it a little bit here first but uh when we were in perth we did a student night at murdoch and uh you know there's a lot of students even if they're in schools that are very mechanistic they, they kind of want to hear this how, how did you find that experience talking to those young um made us feel really old, but those young students. Um, yeah, did they ever make us feel old? Oh my God. You know, it's sad when you still feel like you're 21 and you realize you're old enough to be their parents. That's, that's depressing. And if these kids are graduating, particularly in Australia, because it's a master's program after five years, these kids are graduating at 24. So, at, you know, think about that. I mean, and some of you out there may have been in practice at 24, but I said to Dawn, I said, just take the chiropractic out of it, whether they're in a good school, not a good school, it doesn't really matter. The kids are 24. And we're expecting these kids of 24 to have uh, a life experience to start a business and manage the expectations of a business and learn about people. And they don't even have life experience yet. So, I mean, that's how we all learn, right? But it's just, I think as you look, maybe the older I get, the more the more the gap, I'm becoming my grandmother, but like <laughs> the bigger the gap of just realizing that these, these kids don't even have life experience. And so they do need so much support from us old people as I called it um, long in the tooth as they're cutting their teeth in chiropractic we're long in the tooth and I know not everybody's heard that those expressions so that means you're just wiser and yes. cutting teeth is like babies that cut their teeth so um, yeah just I think that for them they need more than just chiropractic information they because they don't have a lot of life experience they don't really know how to look around the corner and, and you can't you can't make somebody look around the corner and you and you can't experience something or experience a lesson for somebody else at some point they really won't know until they know there's just some of that that just has to happen with maturity and growth um, but I think that's really what stood out for me is you know we we can have our own stories and our own lessons and we were trying to expedite the learning process for people through the podcast and through the vitality shift and through my social media so that they don't have to necessarily do it as painfully as we did it. But at some point people don't know until they know they, some people just have to do it. They can't, they can't borrow our experiences as their own. They have to learn it themselves. And I really saw that with the, with the students when we were in Perth. Yeah. And it was pretty funny because um, you'd asked everybody at the beginning of the talk, why would you come out and see these uh, two Canadians uh, come out <laughs> when a lot of them hadn't actually heard of us, I don't think, yeah. before. No. And, uh, and it was pretty funny because one of them said, uh, well, I wanted to hear about the others. Yeah. 
actually two of them said that, you know, they said, if you, if you ban access of information from us, it actually makes us seek it because we're wondering like why. So the very thing that, that perhaps whether they're intentionally doing that or not, you know, who knows, but the very thing that some of these schools are doing is the very reason that the students are looking for something else other than mechanical, low back pain, neck pain, needling, ultrasound, whatever else they're doing. Yeah. They're looking for something else. And so, and, and the other thing I think is why we, we get the opportunity to speak to students from all these schools is that we really, I really don't have a, I think it's really unfair for us to go in and, and slam their school because it's, that's unfair. These are kids that are already in school. Whether or not they knew that or not going in, it doesn't really matter. They're there now. So the key now is that what do they need to, first of all, that, you know, that's the other thing they said is we, we want to be reminded as to why we're doing this. Because when you're slogging through, especially those first three years for them in Australia, when it's really just sciences and other classes, they've got to remember why they're there. Um, because it's so far removed from, in their mind, chiropractic especially if they've had an experience before they went into school. And so they've got to remember that the, you know, the price is worth the promise and they want to, they want to remember that. And I think that's, it's incumbent upon all of us that are successful in practice to try and share that as much as possible with these kids. It doesn't matter what school that they're in because they're there. So our job is to support them in the, in the school that they're at. doesn't mean you have to support the school, but you have to support the students um, and try and give them as much life experience as we can so that they can at least sort of apply it to their own life so that when they have their own experiences, they have a little bit of information behind how to make different decisions. 100%. And I think a, a few of those students will, uh, will be listening to this podcast now because of when we're talking. So, shout out. so shout out we want to say Perth a shout out to the Perth students yeah. at Murdoch. Hope you guys are doing well. It was nice yeah. to meet you guys. Yeah, you, you inspired this conversation. So thanks for coming out. Yeah, and then you, uh, you'll remember the Theos, the five keys of chiropractic mastery, which we talked about. Thanos. Today. Thanos, sorry. Thanos. <laughs> That's all right. Don't Avengers worry. Avengers Infinity War. That's all we know is the bad guy from there. So uh, what were highlights from the, uh, the Immersion Day on, uh, in Perth? Well, we did a, an Immersion Day in Perth. Um, you know, those are, really, those are really interesting days because what we try to do is we try to take all the hours of the online program and shove it into eight hours of a of a workshop so we never get through all that all the stuff um so that's always in in retrospect we're always like oh we probably should have needed more time uh perth shout out to all of you that came out to perth and flew to perth to attend that i mean that group was spectacular they didn't want to leave it was five o'clock i'm like okay you people have to go uh it's saturday night right you know i love that i love we had a group of expressives so I think in past podcasts, we've talked about personalities. This is a group of really dolphins, um, expressive, as you know, from the underdog curse, we call them dolphins and dolphin labs, really connected, expressive people, which was like more than half the group, which means you get a really engaged, loud group. So that that's always fun for me because I love that personality. And so you don't have to work quite so hard in the sense that they're like, Hey, we're just having fun. Yeah, we're totally having fun. So, you know, they ask lots of questions and they, they, you know, they try to interpret, you know, what we're doing through the lens of their personality. And I think for, for me, the biggest thing is for a lot of people that would come to an immersion day if, and we did know probably 90% of that class is that they're living already in the model that we're promoting. Um, it's just they're on the spectrum, they're just trying to come a little bit more towards this purity of the life model that we call it in the vitality shift. And I think the biggest feedback I always get, and it was the same after Perth, was just that there's, there's this massive difference between what we need from somebody in practice as, as a clinician and what they need from us. And you'd be surprised that you don't need as much as you think you need. They need more than you think they need. So it's almost the, it's almost the counter opposite of how we practice. And, and I, that's why I think people are so desperate to learn the vital signs without understanding the philosophy and the intelligence behind why that those are the last things, not the first things, you know, we're not necessarily building better clinicians, although that is what happens. We're building better communicators with some clinical tools to go along with it. And that's sort of how we describe the shift because pretty, pretty often a lot of people that come to an immersion day, pretty solid, strong clinicians. 
uh, they just don't really know how to bridge the gap between what they're doing and the information they're gathering and how that relates to what matters to the person in front of them. So I think that's the biggest feedback from, from most of the immersion days and especially from Perth that people got out of that day. Well, and I think too, we just finished our uh, AGM here in Alberta and they always almost have an assumption that if you're more vitalistic or a wellness chiropractor, you are not patient centered. Right. Even though we don't call it really patient centered. So they always are big about evidence-based patient centered care. Yeah. And the only way to do that would be to be like kind of a back pain person. And, um, and the funny thing is, is this, this is, this is the vitality shift is basically is practice member centered care because we're, but we're doing more of the work to find out it's more than the problem, right? It's the problem behind the problem. Totally. And that, that, that they don't even realize what it's affecting in their life. And we're trying to illuminate that to kind of inspire them to change their life. See, the irony is the vitality shift is really created under the salutogenic model. And a lot of the talk around what's evidence-based and patient-centered, as they call, is actually the pathogenic model, which hysterically is actually not patient-centered. It's actually doctor-centered. And so when, when we look at the pathogenic model of care, which is what medicine is, it's what physiotherapy is, it's what pretty much everything is, it really is around who is the expert. And, and if you look at um, the evidence as they accept it in the other side, it really is around us being the expert in MSK, musculoskeletal problems. Um, leaving the practice member, the public, leaving the person completely out of it. And, you know, in, in psychology, sociology, social work, um, even psychiatry, even in the drug-laden profession of psychiatry, today, that, that those professions are moving towards a salutogenic model because it doesn't work when the practitioner is the expert and the person that they're trying to help is left out of the equation. Mm-hmm. And so... And there's not enough evidence in the world that's going to help you see the person in front of you. That evidence that we are so-called collecting on the MSK side is really all about you as the doctor. It has nothing to do with them. They don't care. And so, and, and that alone does not, does not dictate whether somebody is going to be patient-centered or not, as they call it. And so the schools of thought are so completely different. It's just that from the MSK side or the evidence-based side, which I hate calling that because we have just as much evidence, but from, from their perspective, in their mind, they think, oh, it's actually all about us. And what the irony is, is in the pure salutogenic model, it's actually not about us at all, mm-hmm. at all. It's actually about the person who's in front of us and, and understanding what they need from us, not just what, not just what we need from them, but what also they need from us, for them to fully heal and be an active participant in that process. And you know, what's kind of funny. I was just thinking of this is that we probably have more, well, I think we do have more evidence that a chiropractic adjustment adjustment will affect your brain more yep. than evidence that the chiropractic adjustment will reduce your pain. Totally. <laughs> totally. And, and, and as they called it at our AGM, they called it a juvenile uh, there's, research. there is some juvenile research out there that chiropractic affects your brain, but until then we need to just pound MSK because we need to be experts in MSK. Well, what I will give them, cause I'm always trying to go, okay, well, how, how can we look at their perspective? I will give them this over the last few years that we've been involved politically in Alberta. I'll give them the fact that they conceded. They actually conceded to the fact that there is some research. Yeah, they did. That's true. That the chiropractic adjustment affects the brain. I'm like, oh, that's actually a little bit of motion because you can't go back on that. And so in the past, there was nothing that was acceptable. Now they're conceding there's some juvenile research, which, which means people thought that meant immature, like juvenile in the sense that it wasn't good. What they mean is it's immature in the sense that there's not enough of it. And mm-hmm. I'll give them that. They're, so that's why we do what we do with the ASRF and, and recruit members. And because that's, that's where your money is going. Your money is not going. See, if you donate anywhere else in the world, um, despite what you think, it doesn't go directly to research. This, when you donate or become a member of the ASRF, it's going directly to research. We don't do any, we don't sell programs. We don't sell membership groups. We, don't, we 
take that money and we put it towards research. And so exactly why we do that is because there's not enough. And so I, I, I was actually, I'm like, oh, actually, they, that, that's actually not a bad thing. I mean, it's offensive to some degree when you first hear it, but they conceded to it. And if, you know, the, those of you that don't live here don't know how, how huge that is for that group to concede there actually is some, because that hasn't happened in the past. Yeah, and it's funny, we had another presentation uh, from Dr. Greg Kochuk, who's out of University of Alberta. Um, and the funny thing is, is that I could have, and I was telling Brandy this earlier, I could have seen this total talk be totally at one of at one of our seminars, right? He's talking about when's the last time has chiropractic innovated, talking about just because you pro, you provided the first product doesn't mean you get the long-term product. And he had a couple of pictures up on stage of this dude, and he goes, who's this dude? Nobody knew. And I guess it was the first drummer of the Beatles, right? And just because you're the first doesn't mean you get it long-standing. Who is this guy? This is the guy who sold his shares in Microsoft for $800. Um, who's this? This was the first... Uh, and I can't remember what it was called, but it was the first watch that you could actually check your emails on. Um, yeah. But then Apple Watch like crushed them, right? Yeah. So he said, because if you don't innovate, that doesn't mean you're gonna you're gonna keep on what your what your product was. And so he said, so innovation is important. You know, we have artificial intelligence coming in in the past. Um, if we have data out there, you know, they have data mines that as long as there's information out there, Google is actually gonna. Do, you don't actually don't have to put the research out anymore because these Google minds are actually going to go out there and take the information that's out there and actually create, they're going to, they're going to accumulate the product. And, uh, and so I, it was so funny because all he had to just do is say, and the innovation in chiropractic is going to be how well chiropractic now affects the brain. But, but it ended up being chiropractic is so awesome at MSK. So it, it just, it's just so funny because there's so many different talks I've heard yeah. uh, from from both their side and our yeah. side that are exactly the same and yeah. they take the exact same information yeah. and they interpret it actually totally different. Well, I'm just like, because we heard one too on the future study of chiropractic, right? Yeah. And on, on our side, we hear about how we can kind of, we can go into this vitalistic aspect and find how chiropractic can help more than just back pain. And then they did a talk where they did the future study. And then if you're vitalistic, you're just the spiritual history buff historian. historian and we can't just stay in the past and so we should be like a expert in msk but they just didn't like the phrase under under medicine like a, a subservient of medicine right. so they just kind of erase that part but they like that part but i was just like that's so crazy i've heard that talk two different times totally different interpretations well uh, but that's why in the shift our very first module and everything we teach is about your premise because depending on your premise will everything will roll up from that so of course you can take the exact same data including the chiropractic vital signs yeah and if you come from a pain premise or a conditions premise that's how it's going to be applied totally so it just depends on your life goggles that you wear or your belief goggles that you wear will depend on how you see the information and present the information and they live in a pain premise that 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 is the brain has no component to what we do uh, which is insanity but anyways and and we are you know uh, that that's what we can do well as we can fix pain and uh for some reason that's innovative which i'm not sure why because unplugged ultrasounds also fix people's pain so you know that's one of those bizarre you want to talk about research but so it's just one of those bizarre things that um but yet not bizarre. It makes sense because again, everything rolls out from your premise. Mm -hmm. Now that brings me to the topic of today. We actually did a, um, Brandy did a staff training um, two days ago in our office and I was like, man, this is good stuff. This is really good stuff. And I think a lot of chiropractors could super benefit from this. And especially um, the introverts will definitely benefit from this. And then also the kind of unbalanced drivers or the unbalanced alphas will also benefit from this but we called it leading the conversation um because some people have a hard time and then we, we we talked about it with our chiropractic assistants you can totally talk about it as a chiropractor because that's how we create our agreements and some people need help leading and other people need help not stomping on the conversation if they're yeah. too much of a driver so i was wondering if you could just kind of go over the beginning part of it and then we'll talk about kind of how that will how that relates to chiropractors and then to um, chiropractic assistants well we, we talk about it a lot in our office because it is i believe that we are in a leadership relationship with our practice members 
And that leadership relationship is, it is a coaching relationship. It's not a parental relationship. But I think that gets, I think that gets confused because we perceive leadership as being either dictatorship, which is parental, or being bossy, or there's lots of things that we confuse it with. Now, if we're naturally a follower, which the majority of the world are naturally actually followers, they're an amiable personality. You know, very few people are truly that high, even though that's who we see in, on stages and on platforms and coach. That's not actually the majority of people. The majority of people are the quieter personalities, the connectors, the, the, the people people. Um, and they, and of course my whole team is that. So their challenge is they, they often think if I, if I step in front of the conversation, I'm stepping on somebody. And there's a huge difference between being in front of a conversation and staying beside somebody versus being in front of a conversation and being in front of somebody. And so I always envision it to be if you were going to do something you've never done before. So my example to my team was you're going to skydive for the first time and you are learning from the skydive instructor, you know, what do you need to do? And you've never done this before. Like, tell me what you would need from that person. Tell me all the traits that person has and tell me what they're telling you and, and all of those things because you're going in there with a sense of trepidation probably, a little maybe some excitement, but you want to know what to expect. That's really the key. And the more, the more that you can know what to expect, we know the brain goes, oh, I don't have to try and anticipate anything. It calms the nervous system down. So when somebody knows what to expect, we did a call on this uh, or a uh, podcast on this already, we call that psychological comfort. And when somebody's in psychological comfort, they're more likely to buy products, they're more likely to stay in businesses. And in order for them to be in that state, they have to know what to expect. Well, they can't know what to expect if you can't lead the conversation. And when you don't lead the conversation, you have somebody seeking information from you rather than you being able to share what's, what's basically around the corner with them uh, so that they don't have to think, do I have to look around the corner? Or worst case scenario, what happens is people are like, I'm not going to look around the corner. I'm just going to leave. And that happens in our practices because people don't feel comfortable asking information. They don't feel comfortable asking questions because they don't feel safe. Now, skydiving is a little bit different in the sense that, of course, you could die. But it, to put it into perspective, people think coming in our office, they might die. We have That's people true. who think when they're, they're literally going to die scared. Yeah. from a chiropractic adjustment. So yeah. on the far end, you actually do have people like that. And you have to, you have to be able to, there's kind of key parts to knowing how to lead a conversation well. And, and as they, as the team sort of works through all the traits that that person would have that would make them feel comfortable and safe to step off a plane um, and jump to the ground to their potential death. The, the biggest, the biggest trait that came up was something called confidence. So that's where we started. Because that is, that is where, that is the place that leading is sourced from. And, and there's a huge difference. I have huge difference between confidence and arrogance. Mm -hmm. And I think that many people confuse the two. And so if you're more of the follower personality, and by the way, there's nothing wrong with that. What the follower personality means is it's not, not that you're easily led. What it means is that if you had your preference, you, you work better in a structure, in a system that somebody set up. That's your doesn't mean you always get that opportunity. It doesn't mean you can't lead. It just means that's not your natural state. And so you've got to work a little bit harder at being aware of that so you can step in front. But that personality often perceives confidence to be arrogance. And if you are the hugely unbalanced, loud uh, parental personality, you actually are arrogant. And so you end up do parenting people and you've got to learn how to be confident. So the sourcing of those two are completely different. Confidence is really sourced from a place of stability and understanding and knowledge and, you know, trust in yourself, trust in the, the product in particularly in chiropractic. It, it, it's confidence in what, what you do and standing by that, 
is confidence in in um, being around long enough with a long with a with a, a large enough amount of people that you just know that you know. Mm-hmm. And because you know what you know, you are more flexible. You're more adaptable. You don't take things personally. Arrogance is sourced from a place of insecurity. Mm-hmm. Arrogance comes across as being almost very surface-like in a conversation in the sense that if you were to challenge an arrogant person, you're probably going to go to war. So many people don't. And it's because it's so unstable, that sourcing of arrogance is so unstable because they really don't come from a place of, of, of confidence about their product or their, their, um, their knowledge or what they can stand by but they are forcing it to such a degree. And many people get through life like this yep. because it puts up such a, mount, a huge amount of walls that nobody ever challenges it. Mm-hmm. There's, not a lot of, there's not a lot of sustainability to that in relationships. So what happens then is people kind of do what you say for a period of time, usually till they feel better, and then they go away from you because they're, they're no longer wanting to be parented and they, the, the, the building of a long-term relationship doesn't, can't exist in that state. So I think you have to look at what is the difference between that because when we say leaving a conversation, we don't mean dragging somebody along and telling them what to do. Leading a conversation is sourced from a place of confidence that we really know what we're doing here and our job is really to anticipate, which is the second part of leading a conversation to anticipate what somebody needs from you in the next step. Not in the next 200th step, but in the just the next step. Then everything that we're doing is just anticipating the next step, the next door, the next door, the next door that's closed, and we're opening it for them so that they don't have to open it. And when we can do that, then what happens is people just keep following us through all these doors until before long they're in a lifetime care. Mm-hmm. But you're just doing that a door at a time through your conversation because you can anticipate what they need from you because you are completely confident in the product that you are selling and the service you're providing and that you understand because of that confidence, you're going to flex and adapt because sometimes you won't go through that door. So then what would they need to walk through the door? So just because you go through the door doesn't mean somebody's going to go through the door with you. And when you're arrogant, you take that personally. When you're confident, you go, okay, I get it. This isn't about me. Like what, what would that person actually need? And the other day, first was like, I'm still not jumping off the plane. Okay, stay on the plane. It lands away you go. That's the difference. There's a there's an intentional feeling difference for the person who is actually in that conversation. And uh, and I think being in that state of confidence to lead that conversation too, um, we need to do some upfront work, right? So we're I think we we're talking about that at the at our staff meeting. Is that um, we need to know some key things first. So sometimes, um, like I know our our uh, if our, our staff are going okay for the first visit, I need to do this, 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 this. And so that's all they think about is I need to do this, 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 but we actually need to know, we need to know this, this, this first, because then sometimes we're going to miss a step or we're going to, cause we always talk about learning the rules first and learning how to break the rules second. But maybe you can talk a little bit about that. Like, like the difference between just doing what you're supposed to do, but then finding out what they need and then adapting to that. Well, I see this with like our associate and young docs and new chiropractic assistants. The thing is what they have is they have the right words, but they don't actually have the confidence yet. Mm-hmm. So it's really difficult to be able to anticipate what somebody needs when you don't have confidence. Cause what happens is we don't have confidence when you're behind the conversation all the time, because here's the thing about confidence. Sometimes we call it certainty in chiropractic you have to appreciate that the the world's doubt about what we do will always win if your confidence isn't higher than that. And so that's why I've always said you can't, you, I'm never going to be able to script all the objections you're ever going to hear about chiropractic, which everybody, Oh my God, when I was first speaking and teaching and I was only working with chiropractic assistants, that was my, I just couldn't stand that because I'm like, I don't have, I don't have scripts for you because the minute you think you've nailed every script for every objection in chiropractic, somebody's going to say something crazy to you. And because you haven't learned the concepts that you stand by, you're not going to know how to respond because you have no confidence in your product. You can't adapt. Mm -hmm. So leading the conversation is exactly in my opinion, what we're doing in the life model of chiropractic. We're not teaching people all the right words to say. Those are the symptoms. 
what we're doing is we're teaching somebody the concepts and then how to flex and bend and adapt to the people in front of them. That comes with time. When you're six months out of chiropractic college, I'm telling you, you got to be really careful because you really don't have the life experience to be confident yet. And what we see is we see a lot of arrogance. That's kind of the first step. They've got a lot of knowledge, but they actually have a lot of people skills. Right. So the, the learning is not in necessarily how to be a, well, it might be in how to be a better clinician, which comes with time and experience really is that understanding people and also understanding your confidence and what you're trying to say. Cause you, I just cannot say this enough. You can't anticipate what somebody needs from you without confidence. You, you just can't do it because you can't see them in it. So with our staff, we, if, if we're behind the conversation from the minute somebody phones into our office, we're behind the conversation the entire time. And can you give an example of that? Because that was yeah, really good. So one of, one of the things that happens is that well, I asked the girls to give me, you know, what, what do they think leading means? And one girl said controlling the conversation and one girl said guiding. And that's when we broke down. Why would you think it was controlling versus guiding? The key is really to move. And now one is, one is very, very young and one has more life experience. So the way that we we look at this as we look at how do we guide somebody through the process of skydiving. When you're skydiving, somebody's not controlling that conversation. You're looking to them as your guide to be able to tell you and walk through what to expect from the call in in our office. Now this is, I don't know why this is so controversial. <laughs> this is so controversial in chiropractic, but we have always told people our fee schedule. Now where we live, this is the caveat, First of all, we don't take insurance, so we don't have a billion different fee schedules. Secondarily, we have a set fee schedule. It is a, it's a range, but there is a regulated fee schedule for chiropractors where we live. It's not rocket science. It's on our website. We tell people what the first fee is and what their existing fees after that is. We tell them that from the get-go. Why? Because I think it is crazy making that if I phone somewhere to inquire about a product and they don't, and they tell me that in order for me to find out how much it costs, I first have to come in. Then I'm starting to wonder why <laughs> can't you just tell me over the phone? Yeah. Now I'm already in a place of psychological discomfort. Now I have to anticipate something. Yeah. And the more that somebody has to anticipate information about chiropractic, the more, I'm sorry to tell you this, it's the way the brain works, the more the stress response is launched in the brain. That's just how it works. And so if you think about anything that you do that you had to think, oh, should I ask this question? Oh, I don't want to ask this question. Like it's the, it's the human condition. So whatever you can take away, like don't send me hate mail about why you don't tell people the fees. Look at what can you take away from somebody having to anticipate. Great. The other thing we take away from is their appointment times. We have set times. We want to get people in as soon as we can because it is important to us for, for them to experience chiropractic as soon as possible. Does that get complicated in a, in a busy full office? Of course it does. And so that's a, that's a structural conversation around how you book those visits and making sure you have availability for those and ensuring that they are what we call hard blocked off. And then your staff learning how to guide the conversation versus not what times and days work for you in the next six weeks. Tell me a little bit about your schedule. And then we are going to say, you know what, what I have is Thursday at 515 around what somebody tells you. So it's really, it's, it's really actually a skill. Um, it's not something that comes naturally to people, especially the follower amiable personalities, because what you want is you, you think to yourself, well, if they, if they lead the conversation, then they're actually happy. But you have to realize for them to lead this conversation, they have to anticipate everything. And that puts them in a state of psychological discomfort. That's like asking somebody to skydive and you sort it all out. I'll tell you a few things. Of course, I'm going to tell you where the parachute is. I'm going to tell you how to put it on. Beyond that, it's, I'm going to let you sort that out. Yeah. 
So we have to start looking at it in that way so that people feel more comfortable. And the other thing that happens is it actually puts you, either the clinician or your, your chiropractic assistant, in more of a state of ease as well. Because what happens is, I'll tell you what a state of unease is, and all of you will have experienced this, is when you're behind the conversation, you feel like you are like running to catch up and you never catch up. And before you know it, it blows up. And, at, and then in retrospect, you're like, that went so badly, I don't even know how I could have repaired that. That's because you were behind the conversation the whole time. Well, this is also, uh, we had a, a, a point because when you have, uh, you know, a chiropractor that's, that's busy or pretty full and then someone who's just starting, um, you know, the person who's not as busy, and we talk about a lot of this with our Vitality Engine people too, is that as they start to grow, we want to we wanna be able to, uh, like, not only book people, but, but work the same as if we're busier because what happens is, in the short term, if you have lots of space, you take anyone wherever they want, they can drop in whenever oh, they want. Totally. They, come, they come early, they come whenever they want. And then all of a sudden you get busier and you can't do that anymore. Now you've delayed the psychological discomfort to people For going sure. like, you're changed. You're busy now. Like, sure. you're not like you were before. The, people only know what we show them. Right. They have no clue. And what's great about, um, about that, so these are, I mean, again, don't send me hate mail if you don't take appointments in your office. Like... <laughs> okay. These are for the 80% of people who take appointments in their office. Um, what's funny is that, you know, and again, we've talked about this a lot in the podcast. We don't teach anything we haven't experienced. So we did the same thing. Okay. We're not saying like do, the greatest thing you're telling me is either, I think it was Gary, Gary Vaynerchuk or one of those guys who said, uh, oh no, it was uh, Scott, your co the coach, online coach was saying, Today you have to do what I do what I say, not do what I do, because the guy's making twelve million dollars a month. Yeah. But when he was making one million dollars a month, he's like, and you're trying to get to one million dollars a month, you can't do what he's doing at twelve million dollars a month. You've got to do what he was doing, what he says he was doing at one million dollars a month, which yeah. I thought was such a brilliant analogy for chiropractic, because you can't do what we do anymore when we're at this certain volume. Yeah. When you're seeing 80 a week, you can only do what we said we did to get to a hundred a week or whatever it is, Right. Um, you know? So that's sort of the, that's sort of the conversation because when we were quiet, people could do whatever they want. When we started to lead the conversation, the staff started to lead the conversation around appointment times and, and expectations around when people can come in and when they can't come in, guess what happened? People were pissed off. Right. And so I said to the staff and to the associate, so if you're going to be selfish about it, which really from an amiable personality, a lot of stuff is really often about you. Let's make this about you. Who do you think they're going to be mad at? You. You're the one who's going to have to handle this. So if we start from the get-go, it never happens. And the greatest thing is we had a little girl observing the meeting who's doing this leadership course who wanted to observe me. And she worked at a, at a car dealership. And it was, it was so great for the, the team, because, you know, sometimes we always think, oh, this is just about chiropractic. We're so in our chiropractic bubble. It never happens anywhere else. Right. Everywhere. So she said, you know, I worked at a brand new car dealership. And in the beginning, rather than us setting appointment times for people to drop their cars off, people could just come in whenever they wanted. She said, because it was quiet. She was, and then, of course, what happened? We got busy. Now people could no longer drop their car off and get it in an hour. She's like, and people were pissed. Yeah. She said, and we had to deal with that forever because it had changed. So rather than us setting those agreements and leading that conversation, even if they had 50 spots in the day, they, they led, what's your schedule like between 10 and 11, I can book you at 10 30, get your car done. Even if they had 12 30 or 1 30, right? So people can all, will only experience what you show them and they're going to walk through the doors that you open. And it's so much easier to to live in this flow in the office if you're in front of them all the time. And, and again, if you're an amiable, I don't mean charging in front of them. You're in front of the conversation, but you're beside them the entire time. And that's really, really, I think, the key in, in how, to, how to guide people through a process of education and also the service that we provide them. So um, if, you know, a chiropractor might be sitting in their car listening, going, oh my gosh, I haven't done any of this and I have them leading the conversation and I'm always catching up and everything's a mess and yeah. I might as well jump off the bridge. Um, that's what I would have felt like too before. Or the staff um, are going to feel the same way. Yeah, 100%. So 
uh, we, we often talk about this, uh, when someone says, okay, I'm not going to do that anymore. And then all of a sudden they come in and like, try to like create a bunch of rules. Uh, how, how would you, how would you recommend rolling this out in your practice? If you wanted to start to lead the conversation. Okay. Well, first of all, creating rules is not leading or guiding. That's a rebound effect. So don't do that. Don't Excellent. be, don't be an asshole. <laughs> exactly. So there, my job here is done. Don't be an asshole. <laughs> I don't know how much. Hard. So do you don't want to rebound? I mean, there's something in between like complete chaos and like complete, like prison, like dictatorship. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there, you know, people always go to the worst case scenario. There's something in between that where the brilliance lies for everybody. It's a little bit different. The easiest, the easiest activity per se to do, if you want like an actual, like hands on, what would I do? You would sit down with your team. If you don't have a team, you sit down with yourself, your mastermind, by the way, if you're solo practice, oh my, you need to find somebody to sit down and have these conversations with. Um, it's so important. It's so hard to do this by yourself in practice. So hard to be a chiropractor by yourself in practice. So um, find somebody and, and honestly go from the, we call them touch points in our office. So from, from the very first touch point that somebody contacts you, where are you behind in that conversation? And start to work it through. That's what we did at our staff meeting for the, for the, for the staff. From a chiropractor's perspective, sometimes the very first touch point might be when you walk in to do your exam and case history, potentially. Granted, you have a team that's done all the rest, booked the appointment for you, brought them in, got the paperwork, got them, got them all set up for you. I'm going to assume that's all, that's all done because if that's not all done, that's where you start with your team. From a chiropractor's perspective, it starts from visit one where they now start to unload on you. And they, they so the very first, uh, I'm not, I always think this is so like obvious. And then I, then I talk to chiropractors and I'm like, oh, it's actually totally not obvious. What used to happen in our office is <laughs> the chiropractor would like briefly look at the case history, like briefly. And so they'd read it and then they walk in and they'd say, well, so tell me why you're here today. Okay. And so and, as you, as you're talking about our chiropractors, that would be me. Uh, yeah. That's a nice way to say I did that. <laughs> well, I had a few other people in our office did oh, yeah. at the time. Yeah, yeah. Because why? Because you had time, by the way. Yeah. You had tons of time to have this whole half an hour conversation about somebody's little back pain. So they, you know, a side note on this, I switched naturopaths. And one of the things that I was asked to do to, was to refill out their paperwork. In this naturopathy clinic, their paperwork was 12 pages long. I printed off 12 pages of data. So they're thorough. I'll give them that. I thought to myself, I wonder how the naturopath goes through 12 pages of data and, and composes that to such a way that my appointment, which was a first visit, was a 45-minute appointment. I was curious about that. So I get there and she's running behind. <laughs> Shocking. So I think I'm waiting. I wait about 20, 20, 20 minutes or so for her past my appointment time. And I get in there. I don't even think she read it because she asked me the exact same questions that I had already filled out. Plus she had my chart from the old naturopath that had moved. So Listen, and that's annoying to you, especially for oh, of course it is. if you're like, I just spent forever filling out that freaking paperwork and you haven't even looked at it. Of course it is. Now for me, people might think, Oh, that's brand. You notice that. No, I'll tell you right now that the majority of people that walk into a chiropractic office have been to a lot of places where a lot of people have asked them the exact same questions you're going to ask them. And they've tried a lot of things. And once again, they have to tell you everything. And it is whether or not you are annoyed or it just creates discomfort for them because in an amiable personality, their big driving value is to be heard, to be listened to. And what we perceive that in a conversation is we perceive that means they need to lay out, they need to vomit everything they just wrote out to us. That is not what listening to somebody actually means. So your first challenge as a chiropractor is to wrap it up pretty quickly. So I see it on the, here today because, and list it, because now remember, I think on the last uh, Asking the Right Questions, we talked about this, which was hugely downloaded podcast, which is why we're doing another communication one again, because I said on that podcast, you've got to remember that, yes, you do have to talk about their pain, 
So we, we're not some unicorn practice that people don't come in with low back pain. You need it to, does it radiate? Does it go anywhere? What does it feel like? What makes it better? What makes it worse? Have you seen your chiropractor? Like, yeah, you have to do that. First of all, you have to do that generally to keep your license. And secondarily, you have to do that because that is from somebody's perspective why they're there. But the more that you ask them about that, the more behind you are in the conversation if you're trying to lead a conversation around what we're actually going to do in chiropractic. So that is why I post so many, as, as short as I can do it, which is obviously doesn't give justice to the entire visit, new patient practice member case histories that I do on Facebook so that people can see what it looks like to be in front of the conversation all the time. Because you need to, you need to go in there, I see you're here for this, 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 this. Yes. Then you want to lead what's next. What's next for somebody generally isn't, oh, okay, thanks very much. Now I'm going to tell you about chiropractic. <laughs> that's usually not what's next, although that's what we do. <laughs> and also in the shift, what people are learning is, you know, people are like, you say you don't treat pain. You also don't lead with, and by the way, we don't do it. We don't treat any of that. You know, I always talk about the old Reggie Gold video where he does all the case history and, we, and he takes it, he writes it all down. He pretends he's all listening. And then he's like, I don't care about any of that. And he rips it all up and throws it in the garbage. And let me just tell you what chiropractic is. <laughs> I'm not suggesting you do that either. <laughs> what you have to back to the other podcast that I suggest you listen to is you have to know what the concept is that you're trying to, to walk through the door with them. The first concept that you're trying to walk through the door. Yes. You want to get to the point where necessarily what we're doing here is we can't actually treat or fix that, but don't get me wrong. That's what I say all the time, but don't get me wrong. That matters to us. It matters to us that you can't work. That matters to us that you feel this way all the time. Like that does matter. So there's, there's a difference between it mattering to us and what we can do about it. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Because now everything we do from here on out will be about what we actually can do about it, which surprisingly won't be anything about fixing this issue. It's going to be about, and then I'm going to launch into whatever it is. It's, it's either going to be around adaptability. It's going to be around the body not being able to heal. It's going to be the body being stuck in a pattern of stress that we call it in that sympathetic state where it's a physiological breakdown. Everything we do here is going to be centered on those concepts. And yes, we do want you to feel better, obviously. But I would love to say that that will happen, but I have no idea. But I can unequivocally say this is going to happen. And then I'm going to do the assessment which is all the vital science. So first of all, you can only lead the conversation if you have the tools behind you to get there. So that's a huge component of, of the whole other part of it, which is, you know, what are your objective findings? What do they mean? How do you interpret them? Why are they important to somebody? So the, if you're not leading that, um, it, it means that you're always going to be behind. And so if you kind of think that you are, but then somebody goes, I don't really care. I just want you to fix my back pain. You haven't led them. You've actually been behind. How you've been behind, I don't know. You have to start, you have to, start to create some observation of yourself. I was saying this to our young associates. like, well, I'm saying all that. I'm like, no. I said, no. <laughs> you might be saying it. But, at, you, and again, this comes with experience. It's not that, that, that you're horrible. It, it comes with time and experience and observation of the results. And when the results aren't what you want them to be, people aren't staying, they're not booking the next visit, they're not understanding what you're saying, they're not, the biggest thing is they're not receiving what you're saying to them. You can only lead the conversation when you move to the next door because you can see they have received it. Most people don't know how to tell if somebody has actually received the information they've given them and they go ahead and open the next door. They haven't even walked through the first door with you yet. Right. That takes experience. You have to be able to see whether somebody has received it or not before you can walk through the next door. That's so funny because that's what I've totally learned over the years is, uh, you know, I'll be going through something or I'll be doing a report of findings and I just, out of the corner of my eye, I just notice a physiology change. Yeah. A state change. Yeah. And then I just stopped before I used to go, Oh, maybe they're getting annoyed. So I better go faster. So I was like, try to plow through the, the rest of the information as much as quick as I could. Yeah. Cause I felt uncomfortable. Yeah, totally. Cause I could tell because you're, again, cause you're not confident. 
well, right. back to you, you can't, you're going to be behind when you're not confident. Yep. And so, so it's, and, and now I can just stop and I go, well, I just noticed a change. Like what's going on. So I, now I just stop because we, we're not going to go through any more doors until like, let's just figure out what's going on. Right. And then deal with it right at that moment. Because what you see in that moment of a physiology change with somebody is in their brain, they're already anticipating something that you have not talked about it yet. That's what that is. So you're actually seeing the physiological change of uh, psychological discomfort, which is so obvious when you're actually watching somebody. If you're too busy just trying to get through the visit, you actually can't see it. You cannot see it. Or like you said, you see it, but you don't know how to handle it. So you're like, you pretend oh, it doesn't pretend happen. I'm just going to pretend I don't see it. <laughs> and, and let's just stop. Let's just pretend they're not uncomfortable. Yeah. Right. And rather than just saying like, I like what's going on, like just stop because sometimes for people they've, they've shut down and you, you don't know how to handle it. Well, how to handle it is you ask them because you know, if we, we need confidence. We need anticipation of what's going to be next. But then the third thing is we need the right questions. And we already did a podcast on the right questions. And one of the right questions is what's going on. Yeah. Like something's going on. I can feel it from you. Yeah, and actually, you know, the other thing I used to do is that I would notice that psychological discomfort in them. And so I would think in my head, well, maybe I've made this sound more serious than it is. And so I'll just use a bunch of minimizers. Um, and hopefully I'd use minimizers so much until their psychological comfort went down. <laughs> and I'd wonder how come they just were like, oh, then I'm fine. And they didn't book an appointment. And now they're totally confused. First they're dying and now they're fine. So I don't know what, I don't know where to go from here. <laughs> so it's way easier to, instead of try, trying to predict what people are thinking in their head is just to ask them. It, really isn't that shocking but it seems so hard for us labs you know <laughs> all you labs out there you know it's hard to do that see you can't see i think that's the thing about leaving is people think you have to predict what, that's actually a good point when i say anticipate uh what somebody needs that's different than predicting what they're thinking okay <laughs> there's a huge difference between those two and it's amazing how much we actually spend if you actually really were truthful with yourself in practice and you looked at how much you actually project what you predict somebody is thinking onto them. It's like insane. Right. <laughs> it, we do it all and we do it subconsciously. A lot of us, but we predict it all the time versus because again, we're not confident. So we're projecting all of our stuff onto them and we're like predicting, okay, well maybe like you just said, well, maybe they think it's too serious. Maybe it's this, or maybe it's somebody, or maybe it's like whatever it is. You have no idea what it is. And every time you predict what somebody's thinking, you cannot anticipate what's next for them because what you do then is you actually change the, the entire course of the conversation based on that. Yeah. And you're leading them then down some road that they don't even want to go down and nor, nor do you, frankly, but by, by, the, by the time you're halfway down the road, you don't know how to turn around and go back and now it's too late. And so if you kind of feel like you're that, like doing that all the time in practice, it's because you haven't learned how to always be in front. And I just, I cannot say this enough. You know, when I was talking to the students in Perth, I just realized that a lot of this is, does come with experience. It is so important to see as many people as possible and talk to as many people as possible and have sort of landmine experiences with people where you're like, well, that was horrible. Because <laughs> what that does is it teaches you. Hopefully. You're basic, hopefully, with insight. Yeah, with insight. You're basically on a podcast like this hearing about years of experience yeah. with different types of people and years of confidence building um, where we've had to have a bunch of landmine experiences where that simply just didn't work. But the biggest thing, like all of our podcasts, is it really is about how much insight you have about who you are. And that insight into who you are really allows you to have more insight into who somebody else is. If you have zero insight into who you are, you absolutely cannot see who somebody is in front of you. And it does all, all of a sudden become about you. And you then absolutely cannot lead anybody. This just reminds me of a question of uh, one of the chiropractors we work with. I won't, we won't say her name, but she'll be listening to this podcast and she'll know exactly who it is. Who, um, are we allowed who, to talk about this in the podcast? Yeah, well, we just say just generally because she'll know who it is. We love her anyway. We love her. She knows we love her. Um, and she's just talking about a situation where uh, she was anticipating what people were feeling about her. And she was asking for how to, how to create a solution for this anticipated feeling what other oh, right. people thought about her. Yes. And then you 
and you ask her basically, um, does this challenge or problem you're experiencing even exist? Like, no, I asked her what the solution was. I wanted to know what the solution was. It was a trick question. Yeah, totally. (laughs) Talk a little bit about that. Well, because so let's say you're, let's say you're in practice and you're like, I don't know what, what would be a feeling? Like, I feel like people, Oh, judging me or something, judging me, you know, or what, I don't know what it is, whatever the feeling is. I just want to know what the solution is. Like, what is the solution to that? And it's a trick question. So then the solution was, uh, talk to them (laughs) and ask them, what are you judging me? Like, so so what would, what exactly would you ask them? (laughs) Right. And so, the, the trick question is there is no solution because the problem doesn't exist. Right. It's hard to create a solution to a, a made up problem. It's hard to create a solution to a problem that actually doesn't exist. That's where the trick question came in. So stop making problems. So, so you've made this up in your head because you're predicting based on your own stuff what somebody else is thinking. And so now to ask yourself, what is the solution? Well, if, there, if, there's, if it's some crazy answer, like, uh, maybe I should ask them, ask yourself, ask them what? Uh, do, do you think I'm too expensive as a chiropractor? Like, whatever it is. It, just, it doesn't make sense. Because you think I'm too rich? Do you think I'm too rich? <laughs> do you think my car is too nice? Like, whatever it is. If it's about money or, do you think my appointment times are too short? Do you think I'm too fast with people? Like, <laughs> totally. Seriously, like once you once you bring all of that to the light, it can't live there anymore because you realize the crazy. So if you realize the crazy, you realize that you're actually creating problems that don't exist. And the more that you can do that and be somewhat self-deprecating about it, we appreciate her because she's she's like, oh my god, like, stupid. and she's solely insightful, so she catches yeah, it right away, like which stupid, is awesome. Like stupid, yeah. stupid, stupid. Um, you know, that was total creation of of my own stuff put on somebody. You know, from that perspective, if you if you kind of kind of pull the crazy up to the light, it just kills it. It's it's like a vampire going into the sunshine. Like it just burns. Just lights on fire. It lights on fire because you can't you can't you can only that crazy can only live in the dark in that in that mind of yours where you you can't really bring it up to the light, and it's not people's responsibility to fix that for you. And so it's your responsibility to to clean all that stuff up. Um, as much as you can, because everything we do in our practice, uh, I've said this a million times on every podcast I've talked about has to do with you. And so you, you know, people want to know what are the right questions and how are you such an excellent communicator and how do you say the things you do? Okay. Yeah, there are tools. Absolutely. I've talked about a lot of the tools. There are strategies, but it's only because I can pull my crazy up to the light and burn it like a vampire. (laughs) <laughs> and as, as that crazy gets burnt away, um, I can then not project or predict, uh, where people are at. And if you can stop doing that, then you can anticipate what they need. And it is that anticipation where you get the right questions that you need to ask that you already know the answers to, because if anybody ever works with me, one of their, one of their distastes of me is that I'm, I'm never going to ask a question. I don't know the answer to why, because I'm trying to lead them to the solution they come up with on their own. So it is incredibly calculating to some degree because I know they have it in them. I know they have the answers in them. It's up to me to be able to lead them there versus me just telling them. And that's the difference between leading the conversation and just telling people the information and one is not better than the other, but one is more sustainable in a relationship long-term than the other. Great. All right. Well, we, our, our time has been uh, zipping by very fast. So what's going on for you in the next little bit? What's, what's coming up for you? Well, this podcast gets released in October, does it? Yeah. First of October, first week of October. Exciting. Well, if you are in Australia, I'm coming back because I love that turnaround time so much. I love to fly 30 hours and fly back 30 hours. <laughs> so I, so I'm coming back. Uh, I'm coming back to Australia uh, first and foremost, obviously for my uh, position on the Australian Spinal Research Foundation. We have our annual AGM in October, which is very cool. So I will, I'll look forward to my first face-to-face meeting there in Melbourne, October 20th. But the big thing is October 21st. We're doing an event called the Gathering where we have, uh, I think, 15 speakers. Uh, It's going to be a connection day with our members and non-members in Melbourne and surrounding area. Um, The registration is up on our website. 
We're, we really, really would love you to come. If you can't come, bring your team. Um, I would love to see you. I haven't been to Melbourne for a few years, and so I'm looking forward to connecting with, I know, ton, I can't believe, actually, oh, I'm in Melbourne. I'm like, I can't believe how many people I actually know there. So Maybe I'll really, see Martin and Nicole. Really excited <laughs> to go back to, that, to, to, to Melbourne for that weekend and then fly home, which I'm not excited about. So that's coming up. We launch our busy season in our practice. So follow me on Facebook. You'll hear all about our exciting with our screenings that are coming up. And then in November, I'm going to my first Pure and Powerful, which is Dr. Peter Amlinger in Toronto, which seems crazy. I've never been to a Pure and Powerful, which is in my own country. Um, of course, I've known Peter for years. And this year, he reached out to me and I happen to be available. And so I'm really excited to go to that. So, And I know that a lot of you have already reached out to me that live there that are coming. And a lot of our tribe shifters are coming. So um, I'm looking forward to that. That actually, that that weekend is actually November 3rd uh, at the Sheraton uh, Four Points, I think, in Toronto, Pure and Powerful, I think, .com, or you can go Pure and Powerful Chiropractic on Facebook and or Facebook me or Dr. Peter and uh, find out about that. So that should be fun too. So it'll be a busy fall. And then uh, after that, I take a break until yep. next year. Break till next year. And then we'll come back and talk about what's coming up in 2019. Awesome. Awesome. So thanks very much for being on the show, my dear. Thanks, honey. And, uh, and for everyone out there, like there's going to be lots of information. Go back over this. Um, get your skills down so that you lead the conversation so that you can crush the curse. Thank you for listening to the podcast. If you receive value from this episode, please take some time to rate and review us on iTunes or your favorite place to listen to podcasts. If you know a fellow chiropractor that could benefit from this message, please share it with them. Because it's my goal to provide you with great content, please contact me if you have any questions at drdonmcdonald.com or find me on Facebook. I look forward to hearing from you. So until next time, Dr. Don out.